Hello and welcome to Showbiz Buzz with Bruno. I'm Michael Bruno, your host, and it's presented as always by the wonderful Mads Theater. And breaking news, breaking news, just so you know that I won the lottery. It's amazing. So I'm buying all the local TV stations and you're going to get 24 hours of Bruno, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Won't that be exciting? That'll be wonderful. Isn't that, <laughs> I'm so excited. And it is April 1st, April Fool's. <laughs> Oh, well. But today, we are so, so excited. We have the very lovely and very talented and very busy Catherine Smith from Madison Opera with us today. Uh, thank you for coming today My on pleasure. this Delighted to wonderful be here. April Fool's Day. <laughs> uh, so, first of all, tell me a little bit about Madison Opera. So, Madison Opera has been around for over 50 years. And we perform three operas a year, two in Overture Hall, one in the Capitol Theater. And of course, we have Opera in the Park, which is going on its 22nd year this summer. And we do everything from operas from the 18th century to operas from the 21st century. And we have a range of education things in between. And now tell me a little bit about your position there and how long have you been with the opera? I'm the general director, which is one of those weird opera company only titles, which means I'm both the artistic and administrative head. This title only exists in the opera world. Um, and I have been here since summer 2011, believe it or not. My first, um, my second week on the job was Opera in the Park. So I started with Opera in the Park. And... What do I do? I pick the operas, I pick who's in them, I figure out how we pay for them. I deal with pretty much, I like to say it's all my fault. <laughs> and that's a good thing. You have control over everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, evidently the weather is my fault too. Oh, so well. if it rains at opera in the park, that's also my fault. And I don't think I have quite that much control. Actually, it's always Charlie Shartino's fault. That's, that's the one you always have to blame when the weather goes bad. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, and what what were your previous experiences? Where were you before you came to the uh, Before Madison Opera, I was the general director of Tacoma Opera in Tacoma, Washington, smaller company. Before that, I was at the Metropolitan Opera in New York, um, where I basically started a year out of college and worked my way up. Before that, I was actually at Chicago Lyric for one season, right before going to the Met. And then I had actually started working in opera when I was in high school. So between high school and sort of out of college, I worked for a handful of opera companies wherever I was. So and, I like to say this is the only thing I know how to do. And you've been doing it well, I've obviously, been doing because it. you keep working. Uh, so what was it like working at the Met? That must have been just fantastic. It was amazing. I mean, the Met is the biggest opera company in the world. We did, at the time, 25 operas a year. Wow. The season would start with rehearsing four operas simultaneously in August so that it could open an entire season and go all the way through May. And there were something like 200 singers on the roster because you were doing that many operas. And it was amazing. I mean, you'd see some amazing, amazing performances. You'd see some Tuesday night Aidas, as we occasionally called them, <laughs> and everything in between. But I also learned so much opera. I mean, I went in knowing a lot about opera, but the best way to learn opera is simply to go see it. And so, okay, we're doing Lady Macbeth of Matensk. I'm going to learn about Lady Macbeth of Matensk. I'm going to learn that it's a very strange opera. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was a learning curve was aligned straight up, um, and it was, I like to say somewhat that was my grad school. That's what I did with my 20s. And have you ever performed in an opera? Yes, sort of. <laughs> well, that's not true. Yes, literally. I fell in love with opera when I was a freshman in high school, and my youth choir was asked to sing in the children's chorus of Carmen at Seattle Opera. And the children's chorus and Carmen are in Act 1 and Act 4 
which leaves a lot of time in between to watch. And I just fell in love with this art form. And of course, Carmen is a great opera to fall in love with. You've got dancing, you've got drinking, you have violence, you've got sex. I mean, it's perfect for a teenager. And so I just fell head over heels in love with the art form. That's amazing. That, that, I forgot that it was four acts long. <laughs> but it goes by in four hours, right? <laughs> three, three hours and change. Three hours and change. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your upcoming uh, performances of Figaro. Yes. I mean, the marriage of Figaro. Yes, yeah, so we have the marriage of Figaro starting rehearsal next weekend and performances April 28th and 30th. This is the show we were supposed to do two years ago. Aha. And we all remember why we didn't. Um, and... The Marriage of Figaro is just one of the greatest operas ever written, and it is, in fact, my favorite opera. So I'm really excited to be producing it. And it's a comedy, but it's a human comedy. There's what we think of as comedy with disguises and locked doors and all of those sorts of comedy. But I like to say the stakes are real. The people, the characters, what is happening matters to them. And ultimately, they're all seeking a happy resolution to their lives. And it takes place in one day. It's called one mad day and it's about Figaro and Susanna two servants trying to get married which they manage to do by the end of the day the count their employer wants to sleep with Susanna his wife isn't happy about that there are other characters with their own issues eventually it all works out but there's comedy and real emotion along the way I would say and is it sung in Italian with subtitles, it, or is it sung in English? It is sung in Italian with supertitles. Supertitles are the greatest invention in opera since electricity. True. Um, they were, believe it or not, really controversial when they came out in the 80s. I mean, there were people saying supertitles would ruin opera. The Metropolitan Opera at one point said they'd come to the Met over a certain person's dead body. Oh. And now we can't imagine doing opera without them. Uh, and, and that is... Amazing, because you, you, I really can't imagine, because a lot of people don't, you know, it's wonderful to listen to it in its original, but but sometimes you don't understand the text. No, in fact, often. I mean, and sometimes opera, let's be honest, is not the most subtle of art forms. So I like to say when the soprano has a dagger in her hand, she's probably mad. But it's better and it's funnier if you know what's actually being said. <laughs> so the burning question is that I get that I get all the time is this is the marriage of Figaro. Yet the song everybody thinks of is Figaro, which is actually the Barber of Seville. Yes. So what's the difference and why do people confuse that? Well, they confuse it because of Figaro, but it all goes back to uh, Pierre Beaumarchais. He wrote three plays that we now call the Figaro plays in the late 18th century. First was the Barber of Seville, which is the one we now know as what Rossini wrote, um, which has the Figaro, Figaro aria in it. The sequel to the Barber of Seville that Beaumarchais wrote was called The Marriage of Figaro and took the characters from the Barber of Seville and what they were up to about three years later. And that's what Mozart's opera is based on. But interestingly, so um, The Barber of Seville is 1775. Marriage of Figaro, the play, is about 1781. I'm going to get these slightly wrong. <laughs> There was a very famous Barber of Seville opera at the time Mozart was writing, but it wasn't the one by Rossini. Rossini's opera actually comes like 30 years later. There was a much more famous Barber of Seville opera by a composer named Giovanni Paisiello, and that was very famous at the time Mozart was writing The Marriage of Figaro, um, and it was based on the same play. Is that ever performed? 
Probably in Italy. I think any American company that performed it would find that people showed up expecting the Figaro, Figaro, Figaro aria. <laughs> As we all do. As we all do. <laughs> it is evidently supposed to be a really good opera. And in fact, you know, jumping to Rossini's time, when Rossini wrote his Barber of Seville, it wasn't very popular because everyone was angry that he'd written something that Paisiello had already written better. In their minds. Wow, that's fascinating. Have you ever listened to that? Have to you the Paisiello? No, I have not. Is, is there like a recording? Oh, I'm sure there somewhere? is. I'm sure there is. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere. Everything's on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. Yeah. We're on YouTube. We're. Oh, I completely lost my train of thought. It was going to be something on the long. Oh, and of course, we all became opera lovers because of Bugs Bunny. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and his the. <laughs> Not what's up or doc is the is the Wagner, mm -hmm. and the Rabbit of Seville, which is set to the Barber of Seville overture, is just so brilliant. It's genius. I mean, in what a way to expose young kids to opera and about, adults and adults. And those... No, very very true. I mean, you, I, you know, I still to this day, whenever I, you know, hear or see something that's on the Cartoon Network or something, I have to tune into it. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, the amount of classical music that were in those cartoons back then were just astounding. And the orchestrations. I mean, the orchestrations are really absolutely brilliant. Well, yeah, they had real orchestras playing them. I mean, um, so let's talk a little bit about um, who's in your cast of the show. Sure. So Figaro stars. Everyone in the cast has been with us before. The Susanna is Jasmine Habersham, who actually made her debut in what we called our digital opera in the park summer 2020. I like to say, like, we worked together before she ever was here in person. And then she was Eurydice and Orpheus in the Underworld last spring. And this will be her first Susanna, and she says it's her dream role, so it'll be exciting. The Countess is Elizabeth Caballero, who has been with us many times. She was most recently Florencia in Florencia and Amazonas. She was also Donna Anna in Don Giovanni. The Figaro is Matt Bowler, who has also been with us many times. He was in, he was Leporello in that Don Giovanni, um, wonderful singer. The Count is Michael Adams, who debuted at Opera in the Park last summer. The Carabino is local. She's Kirsten Lippart, who was one of our studio artists pre-pandemic, and she has a new little baby. Um, so, yeah, it'll be wonderful to have her. And then, thinking through the cast, the <laughs> Marcellina is Margaret Gavizhiak, who also debuted at Opera in the Park last summer, and who has sung this role many times and very well. I'm really excited to have her in it. The, now we're getting into the smaller roles. The Don Basilio <laughs> is Tyrese Bird, who was one of our studio artists last year. He was Mercury in Orpheus in the Underworld, the one on the skates. Mm -hmm. This one will be easier. There's no skates involved. <laughs> um, two of our studio artists, um, Alana Spencer and Pedro Valdez sing uh, Barbarina and Don Curzio. And Benjamin Severdine is singing Dr. Bartolo. He was last year with Traviata. So it's a bunch of people who've sung with us before, which is both unusual and really kind of nice. And many of them, I should add, we were supposed to do this show two years ago. This was the spring 2021 opera um, that, of course, we were unable to do. And pretty much the entire cast is back to do it two years later. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, which is wonderful. And it says something, I think, about the opera. Everyone wants to do this opera. Everyone loves this opera. Undoubtedly. And you also have a guest conductor for this And we one, have a correct? guest conductor. We have Stephanie Rhodes-Russell conducting. She debuted at Opera in the Park 2021, which was our first, first live performance back after the pandemic. Um, wonderful conductor. I'm so excited to have her. And the director is Dan Ragazzi, who directed The Magic Flute here. 
So it's a wonderful group of people. I'm really excited. And do you know about approximately how many times has Madison Opera performed this particular opera? This will be our fifth production. We seem to perform it about every 10 years. Um, last performed in 2010. It, was anybody in the 2010 production that come back to you, that you know of offhand, maybe? I would have to compare ah. chorus lists. I, I'm going <laughs> to guess that there are probably a few people in the chorus. None of the principals, but I would guess some of the chorus. But I would have to look. <laughs> and other than the fact that you've been, you know, had downtime for the, the black hole of the 20s, the beginning mm -hmm. of the 20s, uh, have there been any, any uh, particular challenges coming back with this show? Um, we didn't really have downtime. We actually did a full digital well, that's year. That's true. No, um, I, that's true you did. But <laughs> have there any been challenges? Not that aren't, I mean, we haven't started rehearsal yet. So ah. we always say we never know what the problems will be till we're in it. It's been... We all love this opera so much that doing things like the cut list and putting it together has been just a fun part of, okay, how do we do this show? There have no been no challenges yet beyond the usual work that goes into putting in a show. The sing-through is next Saturday, a week from now, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I always say I never know what the crisis will be until we're in it. Truly. Uh, so let's talk about some some of the people who are behind the scenes that never really get the recognition, who are some of the people that you use like for wardrobe or hair and makeup or your tech people or your set designers? Sure. So we have a wonderful um, production team. Our production stage manager is Jill Krinicky, who has been with the company pretty much since she was in college. She went to UW-Madison and is stage managed around the country, but has been here for quite a while. Our costumer is Karen Brown Larimore, who has also been with the company quite a while and designs for many places. I should say that we, for our Overture Hall productions, we rent them. Ah, we okay. don't build the sets and costumes. We usually rent them. So this production is coming from Detroit Opera. Our wig and makeup person is Jan Ross, who oh, has Dan. been with Madison Opera since she was in high school, which was the very first year of Madison Opera in like 1962. Um, She's going to love that you mentioned that date. <laughs> she talks about it. That's true. That's true. She does. <laughs> um, our technical director, Billy Larimore, wonderful man who's been around for a long time. We have a new props master this year, and her name is Cassie Carney. She is an Edgewood graduate. So, yes. And our lighting designer designed Orpheus, Derek Van Healy, is coming in from out of town. And you only performed this twice, right? Only twice for the general public. We do have a student matinee on this one, which is our final dress will be at 11 a.m., um, which the cast loves. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> they do. <laughs> they, they love the reaction of the students, I should say. They just don't love having to get in wigs and makeup at 9 a.m. Um, so, yeah, I'll be done in front of three audiences. But, yes, opera is a ton of work for a very short run. But, but run in front of a lot of people. Of course, Overture Hall holds a lot of people. And, and you know, you have a tendency to sell your shows out, which is which is really kind of well, wonderful. I, I love that you say that. I wish I could say yes, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Um, we have the same post-pandemic challenges as everyone. Let's just say that. Well, if you've never gone to an opera and you don't know anything about the opera, go to see Madison Opera because it is the quality and the performance and everything is so high caliber. That, and this is a great, a great, great, great opera. This to, is a to great opera to start into. with. It's Mozart. The music is everything. It is a comedy. It's, yes. If you've not seen an opera, start with this one. It is a great first opera.
And I would not say that about like Salome, which we did in the fall. <laughs> well, not every show can have a silver platter with a head on it. Yeah, you know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> which was brilliant, by the way. <laughs> uh, oh, talk to me a little bit about the pre-show talks that you do and the things that happen pre prior to the actual performances. <laughs> So we do a number of things. I've already, just this past week, gave two live previews of the opera um, at Oakwood and Cap Lakes. This Thursday, I will give an online preview of the opera that streams live at 7 o'clock on Thursday and then just remains online to infinity and beyond. Anyone watching live on Thursday can ask me questions in the YouTube um, chat. It's one of the only times I ever actually take questions. We also have, early, about a month ago, I filmed what we call opera talks, which are kind of unrelated topics I come up with and think, this is interesting. I'm going to talk about it and make people listen. And in this case, I did one on passing notes, which was about letters in opera and letters that are sent in an opera that cause chaos, that cause death, that are just funny because there is in Figaro a duet about a letter and there's some past letters. So it's just sort of a riff on that. And that's available on YouTube, the Madison Opera page. And then I also give um, pre-show talks, Hour Before Curtain. Those are sort of half-hour short versions. The week before we open, the Sunday before, we have something called Opera Up Close, which is live at our Madison Opera Center downtown. And that is me talking for the first part, but then there's an artist roundtable. So that's the one time all of the principal singers and the conductor and director basically talk about the show themselves. And that's in person on the Sunday, whatever that is, the Sunday before we open. And are you doing out at the opera this for this production? No. Well, boo. <laughs> I love out at the opera. I love when you do out at the opera. Uh, so yeah, like, you're not busy enough that you have to do the things you have to do to get the production up. You have all these other pre-show things. So how do you keep your energy up for all this? And how do you keep it straight in your head? Um, well, coffee helps <laughs> a great deal. Yes. Um, my staff could say I go through a pot of coffee a day. So how do I keep it straight? I'm actually a paper calendar person. I very much function on a bunch of different kinds of calendars and just knowing what has to happen by when. Um, and the thing about writing the preview talks is once I've written one of them, it gets easier to do the others. They're variations of the same thing. I will say the first time I'm writing a preview of a show, it probably takes me 40 hours. Um, but wow. then I do variations. So I... Um is there anything that we haven't covered that you had a particular yearning that people have to know about, about you or the opera about or about me. the production coming up? It's Marriage of Figaro is just a wonderful opera. I mean, there's a reason everyone loves Mozart. There's a reason everyone loves this opera. It's just there's, with all the chaos in the world, and I've felt this way not just now. I felt this way the last time I did it. Last time I produced it was 2009, so there was a certain level of chaos in our world then. Um, it's a good reminder that art lasts. You know, something like Figaro has been around since 1786. It has been done all around the world in all kinds of circumstances. And to me, there's something really profound that it still moves us, it still means something, and that it it lasts, that the music lasts, the art lasts, and it still matters. That's wonderful. And it's April 28th and 30th, correct? Yes. And it's in the Overture Hall. Our tickets are on sale now? Tickets are on sale, and they start at $20. <laughs> 
Such a deal. <laughs> Buy well, two. <laughs> take a take a friend. Take a friend. <laughs> yes, that's the other thing is if you want to go to an opera, bring a friend because people are often scared to go to the opera if they've never been. And to me, opera is the friendliest thing on the face of the planet, but it has this reputation, undeserved, that we're stuffy and formal and you have to wear a tuxedo. And that only happens in a James Bond film. <laughs> but and that's the... That's true. That's true. And then, like we said before, if you're going to go and see an opera for the first time, this is really one of the best opera. ones because it's so enjoyable and it's so much fun. And you say the music is just music beautiful. Music is sublime. It's just sublime. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming out on this My blustery pleasure. April 1st day. and <laughs> Happy spring. Yeah, happy spring. It's true. Uh, get tickets, get tickets, get many, many tickets. Go and see this wonderful production of The Marriage of Figaro. But don't sing Figaro, 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 because that's from a different opera, right? Oh, in the lobby. You could sing <laughs> it in the lobby. <laughs> we'll have a sing-along in the lobby. So thanks for tuning in, and, and happy April. And thank you, Catherine, for coming thank and you. chatting with us today. It's been wonderful to see you again. And we will see you next time on... Where are we? Where are we? <laughs> 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 I'm Showbiz Buzz with Bruno. Thank you. <laughs>